Hello, everyone, and welcome to the No Skips podcast. This is one of your hosts, Lisa. And I'm the other host, Jack. We are here. We are present. We are in the studio, which is to say our bedroom. bedroom. Yeah, that's all right. And we are recording this week's episode. Um, if you are listening for the first time, welcome. You may have landed here thinking that this is the No Skips with Jinx and Shay. We are neither them. We are neither of those two people. We um, started it, uh, at the beginning of the year, and our show is very casual. Um, we just cover albums that my husband and, and other you know re- resources, not just my husband, feel like I should be listening to. Um, certainly you, classic you, so you albums. Thought, yeah, you thought you'd listen to just singles and thus atomized society of just single songs. Let's let's rediscover the album as a form and maybe come to love some albums that we hadn't listened to. And I'd I'd want to say that I think that project has been successful. It really has been. It has opened my eyes. So the whole point of this, like like you said, was to expose me to music that I should know, and also not just listen to the singles, but to experience the album as a whole. As a result, I have found lots of music that I absolutely love, and I had no idea I would love. I've also found music I did not love. Um, this is a very casual show. We do this kind of just off the cuff. We are not able to put in as much research as some other shows, but that's not what this was to begin with. This is yeah. just for fun. Yeah, so, just having fun. So enjoy the Hope show fun. this week as we covered. Do your homework, but or don't. <laughs> or, or don't. Just listen I don't to care. Talk. It's cool. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Uh, we are covering David Bowie's "The Rise and Fall of Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust, Stardust, 1972. 1972, His fifth album. Correct. Um, this was, was it June I read? June 19, where, where the hell are you in my notes? Something like that. June 1972. Um, so coming up, coming up on, on 50 years right there. Happy 50th. Almost. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Um, wow. That's an insane amount of time. I got really upset that Wikipedia had something that was like 1981 and then in parentheses it said 41 years. Yeah. I was just like, don't. Stop yeah, that. That's how that goes. Stop that, please. That's how it goes. And also I'm realizing that 1972 is closer to 1985 than I thought, and I'm really getting upset. 1985 being the year I was Funny, born. Yeah. Funny how that goes. Stay tuned. I'll answer some more of my <laughs> security questions for you. <laughs> I'll be happy to give you all the information you need to, to steal my identity. Um, so this album, I will start at the beginning of this to say I've always been weary of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Um, for no other reason than I didn't quite catch his drift. Sure. Um, and, and there's no negative connotation there or anything. I just could not understand what he was doing and the appeal that he presented. Sure. I would say after this week, that streak continues. <laughs> <laughs> that, that streak continues. Um, this was the album that drew all the attention to Bowie because he because mm. I, I watched I was telling Jack earlier that in addition to listening to this album several times over I watched um, a few documentaries about this album and this time of his sure. career and whatnot and according to this his previous attempts to make music were all kind of it's, it's not that the music was bad it was that the attempts and everything weren't quite garnering him the success that he wanted and maybe he wasn't sure. like he was continually reinventing himself and trying something new and it wasn't quite landing. And then he ch- tried this Ziggy Stardust thing. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, whoa, 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 what? Yeah. Um, and it was pretty wild. Um, this is consi- so Ziggy Stardust, or the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, is considered a rock opera slash concept album, mm-hmm. which are both immediate red flags to me. Um, <laughs> they just are. I, 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 so on my Storm Chase week, I actually had a discussion with with the team I was chasing with about 
concept albums mm-hmm. and and i realized that concept albums are more than just themed albums so there i mean sure. because because i was like okay well what 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 defines a concept album right and it's like it's it is just that is an album around this 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 kind of theme it, so like um dark side of the moon was considered a concept album and i was like okay because right. in my head a concept album equates itself to like in in that discussion coheed and cambria Sure. Which I appreciate as musicians, right. but I like, am it, yeah, so tired of the, their shit. Sure, the, the modern the modern interpretation it has something more akin to um, that there is a storytelling or lore conceit, right, that yes. like, ties everything together, which is not necessarily so. Again, thinking that, that I think that's one of the fun parts about, for me, coming back through a lot of these um, albums in this project, is to consider the album as a form. And really, prior to the 60s, I don't think you had them the same way where you know people recorded standards mm-hmm. recorded whatever song that popped into their heads people walked in off the street and you know the guys at sun records just recorded them that's how records were made right and so to kind of take more care and say what if beach boys style what if there were all songs about about whining on sailboats we got an album right like mm-hmm. so so yeah the, the, you saw a very rapid maturation of that idea you know of right. the album the concept album was like here's here's songs about this or the whole kind of like like, like sergeant peppers you know uh, in part grew out of the fact that it was actually really tough to be the beatles as stardom completely swamped them mm-hmm. and wouldn't it be kind of nice to pretend to be another band altogether instead i could totally see that i could totally see that and so so there so such yeah. is born right and, right and also the idea of playing it another character can really lend you some really um, fascinating, you know, creative places you wouldn't like. I I always say it's it, there's always a sort of demarcation in a given artist's um, creative output when they do a soundtrack because a soundtrack mm, okay. you know r- necessitates a sort of a different perspective on things. And so concept albums like Ziggy Stardust taking on a persona, although my understanding is a lot of this sort of persona stuff and some of the other storyline stuff came after the fact uh, with this album. But obviously there's quite a bit of the grist for the mill there. It's just I'm not sure how much of a driver it was necessarily for for these songs. But certainly David Bowie, famous inventor and reinventor of the self and Mm -hmm. that kind of model for pop star which would endure now and kind of be expected and i think in fact from pop stars right so and as as uh, just from from my perspective getting in on this coming back to this album is interesting because this uh, the sort of the nexus of the show is now sort of started to revolve around 1971 Mm -hmm. because I've been drawn to it because you've been drawn to a lot of the stuff that like was produced around that time mm-hmm. and some of the stuff you're responding to more. So that's interesting to me. What's interesting is to contrast this to say, um, we were listening to Janis Joplin, mm, Led yeah, Zeppelin, yeah. a lot of the stuff from this era that frankly sounds a lot more modern. What's interesting is to think about that. Bowie is, I think, simultaneously in here, only in his fifth album, which you know for most people is like well into the career, but for Bowie's base barely getting started. Right, crawling. Yeah, um, he's simultaneously extremely far forward, mm-hmm. and yet in the pop mode to be a pop star requires a certain amount of conservatism, because the form of a pop song is, oh, I know this, mm-hmm. it's familiar, it's catchy, and 
Bowie, there's there there was much to do about when um, uh, Bing Crosby sang opposite David Bowie. Everyone was like, "Ah, holy shit, worlds collide! I can't right. handle this. You can't you can't sing Christmas carols with David Bowie." Oh, but he could. Ideal ideology or or you know or you know hippiness or whatever qualities to the to the side. Bowie is a crooner. The way he sings is very old-fashioned, and he's coming from it being a very old-fashioned pop star. And so that's funny to me because there are these elements of these albums. This this feels extremely of our times now. Mm-hmm. Playing with pronouns, playing with gender identity, all this stuff that happened in the in in the late '60s and early '70s. But I don't think that conversation was happening on a big, catchy pop album anything like it was on Ziggy Stardust. Mm -hmm. And so here are these aspects that are super futuristic and super far forward, and yet the song formats lay this album next to Led Zeppelin 4, and you're like, okay, Grandpa. Like, it it feels very staid as far as that goes. And so that, that to me is a really fascinating dichotomy of being pop-oriented, which is conservative in many ways, and yet some of the musical ideas and certainly some of the ideas for the songs and what he's commenting on and and because i think at the end of the day he's still a singer songwriter right it's david bowie it's not david bowie and the blank right it's not it's not a band identity and so that changes things quite quite significantly we're not we're not looking at you know the kind of front man and then the um kind of hidden perspectives but nonetheless important influences of other bandmates that you have with a band because, you know, no one, I mean, rarely, most bands, you don't have the other person step to the mic, but you feel the other people's influence, right? right? The drummer's back here saying, hey, let's go. Right, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's that's my thought coming. To, that's that's what kind of popped into my head listening to this last couple of days. I was like, this isn't as far forward in a lot of ways as I associate with this time period. 71, 72 had such raucous, like, and seemingly eternal additions to the rock canon. But this isn't a rock album. It might be proto-punk. It's a rock opera. Get it <laughs> it right. might be proto-punk. And I, I can hear that strain. But the format is still pop. Like pop pop. Like this is meant to just be. I, you don't hear that? I I don't know. I don't know what I heard. I don't know what I listened to this week. I I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how. I, I, I know how Wikipedia and other websites have identified this. But it's like, okay, I do hear the punk guess i could say i hear pop i I, i'm not really i'm not really like privy privy to what um pop was like in the 70s per se i I just equate the 70s with um disco disco and so and so so this feels to me like a weird purgatory between purgatory between the 60s the late 60s rock early 70s rock and then and then disco this feels like he's living in a lull here now i i'm gonna go ahead and say i think that's fair yeah i know that I'm wrong about David Bowie, and that's okay. Is my opinion that I do not like his music. Um, I know I'm probably deeply wrong about that, and that's okay. I I love being wrong. That's simply my opinion. That's just my opinion, man. That's just my opinion. Um, man. But if you are like me and you are not familiar with Ziggy Star- Stardust, the whole concept is that Ziggy Stardust is an androgynous bisexual alien sent from space to Earth to save it 
because we have was it we've used up all of our resources at this point. Right. Is Speaking it, of so, timely, timely aspects. Right. I was like, hey, wait, this is, I mean, the opening track is five years, talking about how much time you have left. And I was like, Ooh. right. Stop. I mean, as ERCOT, we live in Texas. As ERCOT is yeah, threatening for the second outs, time this yeah. year, you know, blackouts. It's like, yeah, it does feel kind of um, apocalyptic here. Um, this album goes through the entire journey of Ziggy Stardust, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, mm-hmm. to be exact. Um, and as I said, for me, this album checked all of my no boxes. Hmm. Uh, it's a concept album with sci-fi undertones. Well, not even undertones. <laughs> yeah, overtones. Overtones. Uh, band members dressed in costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, punk undertones. Uh, considered a blank opera, as I said. And an, and an overly arrogant front man. And, and, and it's not to say that David Bowie did not deserve that in his career absolutely he did he sure. his career lasted longer than i've been alive yeah. by a decade plus <laughs> so it's it's it, it's absolutely warranted however in the 70s in the footage i saw i was just like i do not like the man that i'm seeing sure. here i i thought he was a more likable person at that time certainly he was very fuckable according to the, <laughs> the, the, the documentary i i, I watched um there's a real fun time there but i Maybe not like No, busted up grill. He looked like an alien. Okay, so a couple of, couple of fast facts my, By the way, my commentary is not about how he looked. It was how he acted. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking about his busted up British grill. Um, a couple of fast facts. That career we're talking about, one year shy of, of 50, 50 years. Yeah. He was active for 49 years from his first album to, uh, to the last, which is, a, which is a masterpiece, I would say. The last one um, is yeah. The last one um, it was forty nine years. Um, I don't. I don't feel like anyone's going to beat that. No one should try and beat it. No, nope. that's weird. They shouldn't. <laughs> that's a um, weird, weird thing to go after. Other other comments. McCartney might his. Well, to 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 what degree of relevance? That's Sorry, a McCartney. good point. Sorry, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bowie was heterochromatic. Uh huh. Not by birth. Oh, that's what. Well, yeah, what was yeah. the thing? Yeah, so thing so there? heterochromia is the is the condition of having two different colored eyes. If you look carefully in every photo, you're like, whoa, his eyes are two different colors, but they're also two. One is permanently half dilated. It was from a bar fight or that's some right. other altercation, and so he he received a wound to the eye, and it 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 he lost color perception and some amount of vision in that eye, and it was always permanently slightly more dilated. And changed color of the iris. Can you imagine being the guy that landed that blow and be like, I'm the guy that took the color from his what, right <laughs> eye or, you know, whatever right. eye it is. Right. But, wow. That's so it's a crazy. Wild. I mean, but that that to me is a, is such a is such a particular sort of. That's the kind of one a million kind of guy Bowie was. Yeah. And and yeah, to the fair. other comment that you say is arrogance. There's a famous in, in the 80s, as everyone did, as one does. Um, Bowie was a part of his, one of his longtime guitarists, I believe. R- I want to say Reeves Gabriel, mm-hmm. real, real shredder. Um, in the in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sense, um, <laughs> they got together and made a band called Tin Machine. I forget the other members of the band, but there is this famous. Um, it wasn't Dick Cavett. It was a famous. I want to say BBC interviewer, where at this time, because of course he was really trying, at least thought he was trying Bowie uh, to be like a good bandmate, right? Like not just, oh, you want to talk to me? I'm Bowie. Well, come on. Talk to the other 
you know, band members. And so this BBC knew his, knew his number. He's like, I obviously, no one else gives a shit about anyone else in the band. And I want Bowie to talk. But in order to get Bowie to talk, I've got to play, like deal with the charade of, of like, he's not the most important guy in the room. Mm. And just like one would do with an extremely hot girl, he completely ignored Bowie. He dug in deep with really good, well-researched questions with the other band members until the point where Bowie could not take <laughs> not being paid attention to and practically jumped on the mic to answer his questions. He, so, felt, he felt in the things that I watched and the things... I, now, I don't know if it was just the tone of the documentary that I watched where sure. they were like, yeah, he was a total dick. Um, but because it was focused on this album and there were some sure. pretty shitty things that happened sure. in, in this time frame of the band's career. But um, but yeah, I was just like, this dude is a fucking narcissist. <laughs> Which is also one of the things that annoyed me because it felt like he was trying to reinvent himself. If you are trying to become a star, you are trying to become famous. I, I, I'm i not trying to seem seem like that's not the, the end goal in some ways. Sure. But it seemed like it was just i don't know it seems so stupid to say he just wanted all the attention on him well of course you're, you're a rock star right that's what you're wanting to do but it just felt over the top in this regard and <laughs> i don't know maybe i don't know i don't know but let's let's get into the the album itself um the track uh the cd opens with, oh, wow the album not the cd <laughs> who talks about CDs? the album starts with five years so this track is the Opening opener talking about the fact that we only have five years left on this planet, as I discussed earlier. It's kind of a nice one with piano and kind of like a slamming piano with Bowie singing in the background. Yes. Well, not, not in the background, but you know what I mean. The, 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 coming back to it, it is funny to hear that because it is a, a very heavy song mm-hmm. and a not particularly up-tempo song. To me, that helps signal that this is a singer-songwriter effort, right? Even though the album, towards the back half, really ups tempo and gets into more raucous like and then it finishes strong which Mm -hmm. i really like i wish more albums did that it's fascinating to kind of end with this or start start with this really rough kind of um you know kind of contemplation of mortality and and like and everyone and and he, he draws you in like a storyteller here here are all these people i see on the street just losing their shit trying to deal and grapple with the fact that, oh, the earth is going to die and we're mm. going to die and this is it. And he just sort of tells that story and it's really heavy and then it kind of ends up with this real kind of emotional catharsis and then the track fades and yet that's the first track. That's a that's a, it's a ballsy opener. It is. Now, I'm going to go ahead and pitch this to you. How do you want to handle covering this album? Because I, I'm going to... I I listened to it several times. Nothing, absolutely nothing resonated with me except for maybe one track. So if you want to go track by track, we can. Or if you want to just talk we'll about do, it do, as a whole. We can do, yeah. we can do briefly track by do, track. Yeah. Sure. Okay, gotcha. Uh, track two is Soul Love. All about the concept of love. And it sounds like this alien's idea of like being in love with the idea of love, but not really <laughs> like how humans love on Earth and whatnot. Do you get a different tone from uh, it? Yeah, well, again, I... <laughs> It's funny. I I think you. It's interesting to think about because I I I think because of your unease of the whole alien come to earth concept stuff, you I might have sat on mean. that a little bit too hard because. But it is, but that's what this is about. That's this, what they said. But you know what? You can make a presser about anything when you're in the studio and you're writing songs, and it's just songs that sound good, and that is to me what this album is first and foremost. 
and then they make up some bullshit after the fact. That's exactly what happened. They did record the album. I'm an artist, and I love making up bullshit to justify my actions afterwards, too. That's fair. They, you are right. I did read several times over that most of the music was recorded before the idea of the concept album was formed. So you're correct about that. Yeah, it's a back solve. So yeah, me trying to thread the needle for every song is un pleasant for for this yeah. this concept I, what, I, what so. I like is five years and it it, it 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 five years ends on this really like he, he mm-hmm. he's he's tearing out his voice right it's a big it's a big finish and then the kind of hazy fade out and it's like oh no has the earth ended it's like no we'll do a little fun like love song i think i think it's it's simply done simply recorded it's a catchy melody that's a lot of fun it's it doesn't doesn't overstay any welcome it's it's i like like how the instruments are mic'd gotcha go on Moon Moonage Daydream. Moon Age Daydream. Moon Age. Moon, yeah. It's like Moonage. Moonage. <laughs> Moonage. Moonage Dream. Moonage Dream. I just um, wrote a bunch of question marks here because I was like, I don't. I tried. I tried. <laughs> this is the only one I really groovy. gave up. You on. don't really want to. You don't really be be groovy to and hip to all the the. the <laughs> this I, I'm just I this this is probably of all the albums that we've covered. This is my so far my least favorite. Oh. You, take that, Nico. Case you got <laughs> take that air. Oh my goodness! Oh shit! I forgot about air. Ooh, yeah. This, I did, I like this less than air. <gasps> Sexy boy. <laughs> I'm okay with "Sexy Boy" over David Bowie. Sorry. I don't know. I really did not. I, I'm I'm gonna stop talking in short order because the thing the things I the things I have to say are just to incriminate not, you further. Well, it's just I just I just don't I didn't like it, and I know that I'm in a very unpopular opinion boat here, and I'm usually cool with being there, but I'm tired of throwing myself under the bus so hard, so I'm gonna stop talking soon. <laughs> At least retreats to uh, pleasant pleasant mom demeanor. That's nice, dear. Moon age. That was a very good daydream you had, Mr. Bowie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Totally Freak out. Listening. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Big boy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you made a very nice potty, Mr. Bowie. That, no, that was a, that was a, that was actually a hit song. That's a very nice potty. I'm an asshole. I get it. It's okay. I no, it, no, but, but the, 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 you don't don't have to throw yourself under the bus. It's it's funny. Again, that's that to me is part of the contrast because for as often as Bowie hits, and there are songs that um, connect in ways that transcend several decades. It's okay for a fifty-year-old song to sound like it's fifty years ago because all the language here makes it sound corny as hell and fifty years ago. Yeah, because you know, you're talking about this, this moon landing, shit. all this other stuff. Everyone just loved, loved the fucking moon and thinking about. Now, now it's funny because Hunky Dory, the prior album, has Life on Mars, which I think might be as a singular song. A better song than any song on this LP. That was part of what was tricky about picking this LP because I think as an album, this is this is where Bowie sort of arrives. Right. Even though there are some amazingly killer songs, "Space Oddity" is you know famous. "Life on Mars" is incredible. So many of the tracks on 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 Hunky Dory are great. Um, but this is a carryover from that mood of being like, let me just add like, put your space face close to mine. There's not such a thing as a space face. It's your regular face, Mr. Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know what you want me to say. I don't. don't, don't I'm I'm just saying. I'm I'm saying it's okay. It's okay okay to not want to put your space face and your and your and your ray gun to my head. Uh, It's okay. Like sometimes, sometimes it's fun to have just these really corny and dated songs, right? That's but see, and that's and but that corny stuff is what turns me off from the biggest people. This is what turned me off of the Beatles on Abbey Road. They're they're corny, like like was say the ragtime stuff that they pull it's just like right. i'm not about corny shit yet did i was i huge in the emo absolutely i was that shit is corny <laughs> as hell but it's not corny it's like real emotion this shit i don't emotion right well but no, but i and i would i would that's, say that, that was, that's less listening to like hardcore emo shit is less embarrassing to me than being like i love <laughs> this sci-fi. right but but okay but, but thought experiment imagine you're trying to get into emo for the first time at your current age now oh i tried listening to an emo track i never heard today for the first time i was like this is not good so that's what i'm saying like like for me <laughs> at least a good observation because that's i think that's very clear as connected to the beatles right that sort of naivete that kind of openness of heart and these other kinds of things really hit at a certain age and need to kind of i think hook in at a certain age not to say i don't think that's true of a vast um portion of boys oeuvre but probably is true of some of this early material gotcha to really hook in anyway keep going starman very corny but also i think i think sweet i think it's a it's a just a very um it is, oh, it that is crazy it cosmic is jive is a really funny it's just they're all uh just and and his um his accent coming through on on many because he was he was a very sensitive guy up until the end um on he had a long gestating idea that he finally did on his on his final album actually might have done more than once but he certainly did on his final album which is um in uh, the famous uh, novel, shit, what's his name? Um, a Clockwork Orange. I, I know that author, and you know it too. And now you're better than me, listener, because mm-hmm. I can't I can't call it to mind immediately. But um, the characters speak in a kind of um, cryptolect of uh, slang, Russian sort of um, uh, patois, and Part of it is to cloak out like what's being said, both to others and in the in the case of the novel, you don't you you as the reader have to like get into this whole headspace and be like, what the hell's being said? Because they're using like Russian slang. Um, and David Bowie wrote a song basically in that slang, which is a crazy deep reach because he loved language and he loved like there was I think there was a comment about how this album despite him being extremely British, mm-hmm. there were certain um, telling kind of word choices that belie more an American inflection than British. And so it's it's just it's always interesting to me to, to look at that because just like uh, all these other British artists that we've looked at from this period, all hugely influenced by America because right. how couldn't you be? That's true. Starman, the only thing I wanted to note was that this, obviously this is one of his most popular songs, period. Mm. But the... The the melody for Starman is is like over uh-huh. like somewhere over the rainbow, sure. right? So I was like, oh, that's I was like, why does that sound so familiar? Yeah. And then I put two and two together, and then also read it. I was like, confirmed. That's good. <laughs> um, but I don't. 
I don't know. I'm going to move on because I don't want to tarnish my already <laughs> Go on. crappy reputation. It ain't easy. This is the next track. I wrote nothing down. I try. I, I, I love. The, I just. I like. I like the recording. I like the tone. I like how big the uh, the refrain is with the backing vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a simple. I mean, it's a, it's a trifle of a song as far as that goes, um, but recorded well. There's 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 a lot to be said for that. I remember it was either this album or something else, but like in the kind of the modern era of endlessly glossy and rehearsed and carefully made recordings. I think it was. I think it was Stardust, but it might have been might have been one or the other nearby albums. But they were talking about how, like, if you have isolated vocal tracks, you can hear it's like he's not he doesn't have like perfect pitch. There are mistakes. Right. There are mistakes in the recording, but it's like that's just part of you can trade vitality and immediacy for perfection. And I think that's something that I really enjoy hearing albums from this period. Um, because I'm not, I don't have perfect pitch. I don't have an ear for like whether or not, you know, uh, a a drum hit is played a little slop. I don't have an ear for that, Mm -hmm. but, but I think you can still feel some of that stuff. I do. And I think that, I think that played into one of the main reasons why I did not like this album because everything felt like it was just kind of swaying too much around the note. He He wasn't hitting every note. He wasn't, you know, so, for instance, the next track, Lady Stardust, I mm. I, po- I pointed this one out because this is the one that has the kind of like, I don't know the terminology for mm. it musically, but the notes sound like they're like one, one's one's normal, one's sharp. He's playing okay. those together and it sounds very unpleasant. It goes with what he's doing. Right. I don't like it and it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Oh, in the in the in the piano melody? Yes, when it starts. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And, and I'm just like, interesting. Well, this, is, this, is like this is really great. Like this is really grating me. Um, and so, so even though I know it's part of what was intended there, obviously, it was I totally I, see that's funny because I, I think about my brother Hugh, who cannot handle um, clipping. Anytime, even if it's sort of an uh, an intentional stylization, if a recording gets close or certainly actually hits the point of clipping nails on a chalkboard he's like he's just not there for the recording anymore right he just totally checks out and it's just interesting different people have different great breaking points as far as yeah, that goes that's one of them for me so that that in, in conjunction with kind of willy-nilly <laughs> pitch it's like all right we're losing people uh so star is the next track um yeah this is his from 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 the things that i was gleaning from reading the lyrics and whatnot it sounded like this was where he was Failing to be to try to make Earth a better place, and was like, I'm going to start trying to make it a better place through music. I'm, again, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just I'm, just, I'm re- recalling. I I don't I don't usually go by. Can you can you give me a, a, a no, lyric sample here? No, where, I cannot. Because I get I read I read every lyric for every song like five or six times over, and I was just <laughs> like, I don't I don't care at all. Sure. I don't care at all. In fact, <laughs> I, I don't have anything to add for any of the next songs until until Ziggy Stardust. What's after Star? Hang on to yourself. That's a that's a that's a great guitar line. It was just shrouded in so much discontent for me that I was like, even if there were something to appreciate here, it didn't matter because the, in my opinion, Ziggy Stardust is the best guitar line. 
Okay, but I again, I to me that's that's the fun of this album is that the back half finally starts to really rev up. There are there are great melodies mm-hmm. throughout, and he's a storyteller, and he's and he's 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 there's there's a lot of focus, and I, and again, thirty eight thirty eight minutes for what twelve songs or something? Yeah, like. That's that's tight. That that's is tight. tight. There's that's not not a lot of slop, and I appreciate that craftsmanship. And then to get on to hang on to yourself, super catchy. I love I love that guitar line. Mm-hmm. I love um, what a breathless kind of just speed and fun and the and like the little bit of the echo on the on the miking. I just it's a, it's a, it's just a fun track. And that's where you and I also diverge because you actually like punk style music with a bit, a bit of the fast drum and a bit sure. of the like kind of just a bit of a shouty singer but not not like screamy just shouty sure like talk yeah, loud talk loudy guy. right this would be considered yeah your proto punk stuff and sure. you you like that that's my nails on the chalkboard <laughs> and so yeah that's probably why this was a very difficult album for me um so ziggy stardust is the next one and the guitar and drums fucking rule on yeah this, it's a on great yeah that's that's a proper rock yes recording. and i was just like ah Oh, finally. And I, I like I leaned onto one. I was like, there's one. There's one. I thought it was earlier in the album until I was trying to I was right. skimming around today be like, wait, where where was that track? Where does it that hit? I exactly. It fits end. way later than you think it does. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like I thought it was track two. Nope. No. <laughs> so Ziggy Stardust is the one I can I can rest my head on. That's but, great. But, but it's a great one. it's a great song. It really is. Suffragette City. Always makes me laugh. I don't know if it's okay anymore as a song. Um, yeah. But then it was very knowing at the time too. So yeah, I just I, it's it's just so it's it's so much fun. It it's there's there's a breezy the hey man like just it gives it a call and response mm-hmm. and then it's just again it's fast again to to save some of your fastest up-tempo songs for the back half of the album i don't know if i know a lot of albums that i can reach and point to offhand that are ever structured like that right. you still get the come down on rock and roll suicide right i think i think and i remember telling you this and i i think you were surprised you're like no jack that's uh not the final track on the album i'm pretty sure the mp3 set that i had in college when i really got into this album i think was weirdly incomplete or like the last song was corrupted or whatever so mm. i was totally used to listening to it where suffragette city was the final track oh and then i bought the album and i was like hold up what the hell is this <laughs> they got an extra song but of course that actually sends you off correctly where Correct. suffragette city is fun and it's fast but it doesn't actually end the album on a satisfactory note and you got rock and roll suicide to totally wrap it out i love um the opening lines are so well observed about like fingers and you smoke a cigarette. You just, you see Mm, someone playing with their hand and these things that people used to do before they played with their phone forever. Um, It's a very well observed, you know, just a human observation. And again, really kind of Lance Bowie in his, in his singer songwriter um, bona fides as far as, yeah, just, it's just an observation. Yeah. Well, that's Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> I I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it again real quick. This was not for lack of trying. This was not of for lack not. of research. I I genuinely tried for hours and hours to take notes that were appropriate for the show, and I, I I could not I could not make it happen. I really did try so hard. But this was in 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 my opinion the first 
total flop for me for this show. Yeah, I don't think I would have told you that. I, I don't think I could have expected that myself. Um, I genuinely have always wanted to like David Bowie, and sadly, this only solidified that it's just probably never going to happen, and that's okay. That's all right. Well, the old joke about Frank Zappa uh, being that um, you just haven't heard the, the the album that you like yet because <laughs> he was another very prolific artist, but that's I fair. think that's mean to Bowie because Zappa is com- completely insufferable to me. Sorry, <laughs> Zappa fans. Um, whereas Bowie went through so many different moods, like... He got into so many drugs for a while there that were reportedly in the Thin White Duke period. His because you go to L.A. and you're mega popular and you're David Bowie and everyone keeps handing you drugs. And he was subsisting on a diet of milk and peppers and cocaine. <laughs> That's, that sounds pretty good. Is that right? is that it's available so in Vegas? Yeah, I'd say what's where's that weight loss plan? And so like. But 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 for, for, for context, whereas he's starting out, what, 67, he does five albums. And I won't say that there's a whole, like, because, again, when you're looking at some of these 71, 72 albums, and there are some incredible documents of the era that capture the era, and they don't sound like this, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that most of this album is, like, just, let's just like how we have, like, like the poor bastards that that released albums in '91 that were not Nirvana, right? Right. Like you right, were making right. stuff that still sounded mostly '80s. I think Bowie, while he's putting himself on the map, was still mostly sounding like the '60s at this point, and then getting big, and then landing some more big singles, but also getting too far into drugs, and then you finally land the Berlin trilogy, which is like, I have to leave LA. Kanye can relate. No more potteries in LA is a Kanye Mm, track. mm -hmm. Um, We got to get out of here. I'm going to Berlin. And he recorded, you know, some of his best loved and best known stuff in the later seventies. And those are of a sort of a very different moment in time. And yet, you know, in actual distance is, you know, five, six years. It's fascinating Mm -hmm. just how, you know, some years, right. Some years fly by. Some years are, you know, very dense experientially. Gotcha. The one thing I did need to note, um, Amelia, I saw you, I heard you, I validate you. She brought up that we needed to talk about the sign on the album cover. Are you aware of the no the conspiracy theory there? No. There's a uh, he's on uh, on the on the cover of this album. He's standing under a sign that says K dot West, and everyone was like, "Huh, <laughs> huh?" Yeah, because. It was a, a lot of people say that um, David Bowie seemed to. I, I read up on this a little bit. He seemed to be um, prophesizing. How do you say that? Prophesizing. Prophesizing. Yeah. Prophesizing Kanye West's uh, him before coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, five was it? This album dropped exactly something like five years before Kanye was born. Or something like that, huh. and so it was like five years and two days before he was born. That's the five years thing, and then there were there were ties to um, Starman. <laughs> maybe like maybe he was singing about Starman, <laughs> but the fact that he's under a sign that says K West, sure, and everyone's yeah. just like, ooh, 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 ooh. Turns out it was just like an abandoned. I think I saw like it was a fur store or something. Right, like that. right, right, right. Because this but, is an actual photograph that was hand hand colored. Correct, yeah. correct. But but there's apparently a whole thing there about how David Bowie predicted how funny. 
uh, uh, Kanye West's career. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's more to it beyond what happened sure. with Ziggy Stardust, but I mean, I, you can see the through line if you I mean, you could see it for a lot of artists, but but probably mostly Kanye West, especially the fact that it says K West on the album cover itself. But I yeah. thought that was interesting. That's fun. It's always I fun. Didn't hear yeah, that one. that's fun. I love when people find something like that and latch onto it. Like obsess over. Yeah, sure. Not, I'm not saying you did, Amelia. I'm just saying people and you know conspiracy theories always sound really it. fun. I'm saying it, Amelia. Wow. <laughs> well, I'll see you soon, Amelia. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Hell. But anyway, well, that that was um, David Bowie's "The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust," and, and the... we're just gonna keep doing David Bowie albums until uh, you like one of them. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. We need to choose. We have not discussed the next album yet. Um, we're doing this live on the air. I have two vastly different choices I'd like to cover. Um, I'm either wanting to do Jeff Buckley's Grace or Beyonce's Lemonade. I know neither of those sound amazing to you. Well, I, and and in a rare turn, I think you picked maybe one of the only couple of them that I don't know. I know you list, don't know Beyonce. So I don't know either. You don't know Jeff Buckley either? No. Okay, let's do, I, I'm in the mood for Beyonce. Let's do Here it is. Let's do something newer. I, I need something. A yeah, we've bit been newer. we've been we've been hanging around the seventies a bit too long. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I know anything from Lemonade except for whatever whatever sure. the the big the big the big stuff. yeah the, whatever the singles were or the ones I know. But I don't know Lemonade. Everyone was like, oh shit! I don't even know if this is her best album. It was just it was just so huge when it dropped. Right. But well, I think I, don't, I think there's a lot of critical opinion that it was their best. Yeah, maybe I, I think that's what it was. They think it is her best. It is not her best selling. Right, but then so we're there, talking great things. Correct. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. We're gonna go Beyonce's Lemonade. Okay. Well, there we are. Do we have to? Was it title? Do we have to get title for that? Is yep. that what it was called? You you actually you you. Um, I have to call Jay Z. You have to call Jay Z. And it's ask a, It's a bit of a throw. Bit of a throwback. Yeah. Does he have a pager? Jay Z. Can, can I can I get a page Z? Can I get can I get a t- cassette tape <laughs> of Lemonade, limited pressing. Oh, someone's got it on vinyl. I bet it's pretty rad. I bet, the, I bet, so. the, I bet the, the interior work is rad. All right, well, well there it is. We're going to do Beyonce's Lemonade next week. That should be really fun. You don't know it. I don't know it. Is it my turn to be sour? It, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's do fun <it>. Lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I did my best. I'm sorry I failed you. <laughs> I don't like David Bowie. I'm so sorry. R.I.P. R.I.P. It's okay. I still love you, Bowie. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>